Welcome to the Organic Wine Podcast. This is Adam Huss from Los Angeles. Thanks for listening. Ann Thomas is the co-founder of Western Reserve Distillers, a craft distillery located just outside of Cleveland and Ohio's only certified organic distillery. With her husband and son, Ann makes a full array of award-winning spirits from all organic ingredients, including local organic heritage seed stock grains for their whiskeys, gins, and vodka, organic Louisiana molasses for their rum, and organic agave for their tequila, which they can't call tequila because it isn't made in Mexico. No, this episode isn't about wine, but the reason I wanted to highlight what Anne and her family are doing with Western Reserve Distillers is because I think it's extremely important to get across a simple idea about organic agriculture. I've found that people often don't care whether their spirits are made with organic ingredients, sadly. I think it's because we tend to think about everything as it relates to us personally. So we think about organic concerns from a standpoint of what we put into our body rather than what organic means for the world. But the simple idea that I want to get across with this episode is this, and it's really the mission for this podcast. Organic is not as much about what we put into our bodies as it is about what we put into the world. Your purchase of your favorite bourbon or vodka supports an entire agricultural system and supply chain that involves millions of acres of land and waterways. Take corn, for example, which is used in bourbon and other whiskeys. It accounts for over 91 million acres of farmland in the U.S., most of which is grown conventionally with chemical herbicides, pesticides, and fertilizers. Corn alone accounts for millions of tons of hazardous chemicals being dumped into our environment. If you are not buying organic spirits, you're helping to create and support that system. So I wanted to introduce you to one of a handful of spirits companies that is giving you an option to defund the destruction of our environment. Ultimately, of course, it will be healthier for you too because you'll get to live in a cleaner world. I know you'll enjoy meeting Anne Thomas as much as I did, and I hope the great work that she and her family are doing with Western Reserve Distillers makes you think twice the next time you reach for your favorite spirit. Enjoy. Anne, thanks for coming on the podcast. It's really great to talk to you. I guess morning for me, afternoon for you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to talk with you. I, You know, I told you yesterday that I had ordered your six-year rye and your 14-year single-barrel bourbon. And uh, by some magic of the delivery gods this holiday season, they arrived yesterday, a day early. So I was actually able to taste them. They were excellent. And my sampling session, for very professional reasons, of course, but you know, put a pretty good dent in both bottles. So <laughs> my, my first question for you this morning is, what do you recommend to take to cure a hangover caused by you? <laughs> um, maybe it's a, a long, slow walk. <laughs> Good. Yes. Yeah. Like a I'm assuming it's warm and sunny there. Here it's snowing. <laughs> well, you know, outside it is. My house, because it's California, we no houses have heat. No, that's not true. But our house doesn't have heat, really. I mean, it had a heater at some point, but, you know, lack of use just caused it to die and <laughs> from neglect. So we just suffer through. It's probably colder inside than outside. Right <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I, I can't believe you got them. Um, I know, I know. It's great. And I'm kidding. I, I, you know, I can't drink them. Well, I can every once in a while, but um, really good. I mean, I, you know, I'm no, I cannot consider myself somebody who can talk about whiskeys uh, or spirits in that sort of, in the way that I can talk about wines. But, um, you know, I know what I enjoy I very much. Okay. Um, I, I even smashed a glass accidentally trying to pull the cork out of one of them. <laughs> No. <laughs> so it was like Mazel Tov. <laughs> good, good luck. Uh, Off to a fine start there, weren't you? <laughs> <laughs> right. Exactly. So I haven't even had any yet. What's going on? Um, well, and you are the owner of Western Reserve Distillers, right? One of the owners. You I, and yes. You, know, you want to introduce what you do, who you are in the in relation to your distillery? Uh, myself and my husband. Um, co-founders right. um, uh, he's master distiller um, okay. our son is the assistant distiller and I'm the 
I guess, chief marketing officer, human resources. Um, I do kind of like the... Yeah, well, it sounds like you are the the face, you know, you are the the public facing side, it sounds like as well. Like you are the the, the person that interacts with people like me. <laughs> <laughs> I am. My husband does a lot of the, he teaches a lot of the classes. Uh-huh. And I do a lot of this. Got it. That's that's cool. So uh, divide and conquer. Nice. So you guys teach classes too. We do. Yeah. About uh, what what are the classes about? Um, we do a couple different things before the um, wonderful year of twenty twenty. Um, I was the host. I used to host um, a bourbon and babes class, uh-huh. um, and now we also do. And we just started doing them within the last few months. We do like a mixology class. We do couples and bourbon. We do like bourbon 101 classes, whiskeys of the world. Um, what's he oh, having? Very cool. His class schedule now. He's going to do this week and next. He's doing um, holiday spirit infusion classes. Um, you know, there's a almost something for everybody's um Almost something for everybody. If you're looking for something to get out of the house, something different to do. Um, and we just do them right on our property. Nice. Yeah. Are you able to do that these days? I don't know how Ohio's uh, doing in terms of, you know, the COVID <laughs> restrictions and things like that. We are able to do them. We do them <laughs> on a much smaller scale than we ever used to. Um, so we are not completely shut down, um, but we are, bars and restaurants are at a quarter capacity. So um, our distillery, we also have an on-site restaurant. So we host our classes inside the restaurant um, where we have the plexiglass petitions up. Masks are required unless you're sitting at your table. Everything is socially distant, six feet apart. Um, When... They're teaching the classes. They stand behind the bar so then they mm-hmm. can take their mask off to talk and teach the class. And Got then it. when they come out to interact with the participants of the class, they'll put their masks on. Cool. Um, and a lot of the information is also while they're talking, they have a slideshow presentation. Um, and the classes are held, what do we have? Maybe 10 to 12 people per class. So they're much smaller, whereas we used to have 25 to 26 people in a class. Um, so much smaller, but which just means that they sell out a lot faster. Um, so, and it's, you know, it's, they're a lot of fun and, you know, I'm sure you're feeling the same way. People are just looking for ways to be entertained that they're not just sitting at home. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> definitely. Uh, like those long walks that you suggested. <laughs> <laughs> you can only go check out the park so many times. <laughs> it's true. It is true. Oh man. Well, so I jumped ahead. I mean, I, I, you know, this is the way my curiosity works. You bring something up, and I just want to jump right into it. But let's let's start by introducing where you are in the world and and what you guys do and why the name Western Reserve Distillery. Okay, we are located in Lakewood, Ohio, which is up along. Uh, we're in Northeast Ohio along Lake Erie. We are just a few minutes from downtown Cleveland, Ohio. Um, most people have a reference point of Cleveland. Um, we, uh, because of the Browns. Yes. And the Cavs. <laughs> and the Indians. No, I... <laughs> Might not be the Indians for much longer. Right. <laughs> um, and they only say the Browns because this year they're doing okay. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. No, that that was my joke. Uh. (laughs) (laughs) Um, We, um, and so we started here, we, my husband and I just moved back here and our son moved back here, um, moved to Ohio about a little over 13 years ago. Um, And our life journey, you know, has taken us many places. We're not originally from Ohio. And so we've moved around a lot. And this area of Ohio was once known as the westernmost region of the Western Reserve of Connecticut. Um, And so lots of things in this area actually have like the Western Reserve name. The town we live in has a cooking school called 
the Western Reserve Cooking School. There's a private school called the Western Reserve Academy. There's um, um, a Western Reserve um, Historical Society. Uh, Lots of different things with the name on it. Well, it does have that sort of frontier vibe. And I guess that's what it's a nod to, right? That era. Right. And to us, it was kind of interesting because throughout our life's journey, one of the places that we lived was the Western Reserve region of Connecticut. (laughs) So when we moved here and we saw this Western Reserve everywhere, we, you know, kind of wondered what that, what did it mean? And why was that here? Because we'd only ever seen it in Connecticut where we lived. And so we discovered that. So when we decided to start a craft distillery, we kind of thought the name was placed in front of us. It brought together, um, two places we had lived. Um, and funnily enough, the, the town that we live in is almost a mirror image of the town we lived in, in Connecticut. Um, so again, we just kind of thought that the name had to be Western reserve and it was just simple. It was just there. And I guess because we didn't have to think too much about it. <laughs> you know, when you're no, starting, no, that's, that's good. That's good. That's when you're good. starting your own company, trying to come up with a name and how to identify yourself is really a daunting task. It really is. I mean, uh, you, know, you want to stand out. You want to be known for something. And, um, and like all of the kind of like anything that sounds cool that's even mildly obvious is already like trademarked. So, right. you, you know, it's like you start going down that list. I've totally been through that process of just like, if you don't create a world, a word that you just made up out of thin air, it's probably already trademarked by somebody who's <laughs> also making spirits or something exactly like what you're doing. Like, Darn it. Like, <laughs> yes. <laughs> I was going to say, you know. Yes. Yeah. Oh my gosh. It's like I spend more time just trying to think of names because I know for every hundred, maybe one might work out, you know, like <laughs> or like wines or different brands and labels and things. It's crazy. Right. But you also, you guys, sorry, go ahead. You had a, no, you, so it was, you know, so it was going through that process. Um, and like I said, you know, when my husband and I were talking about it, we just, we're just like, you know, the whole, the whole kiss, right. Keep it simple, stupid. Yeah. Um, and we just, we were just like, this is it. And, yeah. you know, even talking to the marketing team that we originally, you know, that we were talk we were, we were talking to them, but my husband knew them from his, his day job at that point in time. Um, they agreed, you know, they said, because it, it had an attachment to us, like the name Western Reserve had an attachment to us already. So it's yeah. something that meant something to us and not just something we were throwing out there. Well, and it does, like I said, it has that vibe that feels right, uh, especially for, for whiskeys somehow. It, it feels, you know, that the, the frontier Western thing feels, I don't know, like a saloon vibe. You know, I know that's what I, my mind conjures up when I hear your name. Um, but I love, like, and the reason that I really wanted to talk to you was your your sort of slogan of being organic, handcrafted, family owned. And are you guys is the is the distillery certified organic? We are. We are actually nice. Ohio's only certified organic distillery. That is very cool and very special. And you guys source. Uh, therefore, you have to. I mean, to keep that certification, you have to source organic grains and products for your to to ferment and distill. Correct. Yes. So we have a uh, a farmer that's about seventy within seventy five miles of the distillery who's been farming organically for uh, almost forty years now. Um, so yes. no chemicals have been on his ground, you know, in his property for that long. Um, he uses only heirloom seed stock. Um, and he's, he's been a great partner for us. Fortunately to, um, we're certified through the, um, Ohio Ecological Food and Farmer Association. And he's actually certified through the same agency. So the partnership has been a fabulous partnership, um, on both fronts. One, we trust him 
uh, implicitly and using the same, you know, ha having the same certifying agent has just made our follow through process easy. I should yeah. well, I say easy like that. It's made it err. Right, right. <laughs> right, right, right. Streamlined, um, to be a complicated to, process. Exactly, because you have to trace back, um, especially when we're going through each, you know, each year when we go through a certification, you have to trace back your lots. And should there ever mm -hmm. be a problem and you have to trace back one bottle and you have to trace it all the way back to the grains, we have that, that same paper trail that goes Got all it. the way back through the same paper trail. Um, so it's, it makes it much easier. Um, so, yeah, so Sorry. all of our organic grains come from him. So what came first? Did you decide we want to do an organic distillery? Let's find a farmer who's growing these grains organically? Or did you find the farmer and say, you know what, we should, we should highlight these grains with an organic distillery? Or, or how did that process work we decided to be organic first got it um, my husband's uh, executive job um was taking him uh into what he was doing he was spending more time so he worked for um nestle and he was okay. working on the food and beverage side and spending time working with restaurant chains and menu development and through that he was learning you know that more and more people were wanting to spend more time at as a community. They wanted, they were becoming more about their community, about a local restaurant, about mm. a local bar. And of course, this strive towards more organic. Mm. And so even as he and his team were working with chain restaurants, for instance, even chain restaurants were trying to come up with an organic concept. And how do we do this? And how do we make it local? Um, and so really it was it was amazing. Um, and so because of that, and he saw that even these large these large chain corporations were trying to get to that, um, he could see ahead that that's where the trends were going. So he knew from then that that's what we needed to do was we needed to be an organic distillery. The other yeah. reason for being organic is um, we have a granddaughter who, well, now she's nearly 12, but you know, six years ago, you know, at that point we look, we have a young grandchild. We would, you know, one of those, we would like to leave the world a little bit better than, you know, what it has been. How can we be a part of that? Um, and so being an organic distillery means we're a part of fewer pesticides, um, less waste. We are a, um, you know, at our distillery, we are, we have much more recycling that goes out than trash. Mm. Um, and so that, that was the whole part of our beginning. And so then that's when we went looking for an organic farmer. That's great. Yeah. I mean, I'm kind of shocked how few, distilleries there are that are are using organic grains and and fact i mean it's like a handful in the country you know right. what i mean it's it's spirits the spirit world in general it's just really and i get partly why i mean <laughs> I, I don't i don't think that spirits drinkers tend to care as much maybe as <laughs> some of the others because you know <laughs> I, and, and we can get into that like but right and even people that i've talked to have you know, I'll bring it up at a, a retail shop. Do you have any organic whiskey? And they'll be like, no, but you know, it gets distilled so much. Like there's, and I'm like, it's not about what I'm putting into my body. It's about what <laughs> we're putting into the world to grow right. this stuff. You know, right. it's, and I was going to actually give you that devil's advocate, like why organic? I mean, what, who cares with a distiller, you know, <laughs> but you've already covered it. Yeah, it is about, you know. Well, and I guess I shouldn't put it that way because, um, the town that we have the distillery in is there are um, there are a handful of organic and vegan stores and restaurants, and they have completely embraced the fact that we are we are an organic distillery yeah. and love the fact that our farmer is also you know within driving distance and yeah. that we've taken those extra steps to be an organic distillery. So they will purchase our products over and over and over again 
because we start with thinking about what's going into. Um, but when it yeah. comes to the brown spirits, people are less apt to think about organic because it's going into a carbon filtration system. Mm-hmm. Of right, right. They're thinking, and I guess that's that's the the uh, redirection of the thinking that I'd love to you know, accomplish just by talking to you today for anybody listening is that it's, you know, when you're thinking organic, so many times we think about what's going into us and it's really the outward facing, like what everything that the whole supply chain of chemicals and pesticides and chemical fertilizers that exist to be able to grow the soy and corn and wheat that is 80% of conventional farming in the, in the United States, that's, that's the, that's the bad part. That's what's going out into the world and poisoning the waterways and poisoning the food source. And it's, you know, great. The product that you might consume might have very little of that, but the world that grew that is full of it. Um, and, and that's, yeah, it's like, and, and it takes a lot of wheat and corn and other and rye to make good whiskey right so that's a lot of uh agriculture behind those things and we you know it's it's so we take so we have our our partnership with our farmer we also um it is it is as i'm sure you know it's a painstaking process to be organic um you know we have to do organic pest control on our property um we recycle the water that we heat up um, to use in our distillation process. We reuse the energy. Um, we, you know, we, we reduce, reuse, recycle as much as possible. Um, we, our, our farmer is now also the same person who will make deliveries for us. Um, so if he's bringing us a load of grain he will also then take a delivery to one of our state warehouses for it. So he's not just taking an empty truck back to his farm. Um, So, you know, we're trying to put a lot of thought into that entire process. And that's, that's more about just your carbon footprint than, than even organic agriculture, right? That's a whole, you you have a holistic approach to uh, leaving the world a better place. It sounds like. Right. That's great. I love that. Um, how how did you get into spirits? I mean, it sounds like your husband had a different career, and you know, there's. You, it sounds like you sort of came up with this idea based on what you thought would be a good business idea. But did you have any previous? You know, were you were you closet? You know, moonshiners or <laughs> <laughs> what was uh, what led to that? <laughs> so my husband came home from work one day. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, the beginning of many a good tale. <laughs> and said, "I can't stay in the corporate world anymore. I've had it. Mm. I need to retire." And he was, um, I mean, he was not even forty-five. I was going to say, I think you guys are young. If you're talking like, sounds like a whole other career for you but yeah you yeah. Uh, okay so this he was, confirms my suspicions all right yeah, at the time he was like 40 how old is he now he was probably 43 um and i said well then you need to find something else to do um <laughs> and i i had always worked and then his um you know his career had taken us overseas and I, so i hadn't worked for a little while and um so you know i had gotten used to then not working but there was no way he was ever not going to not work. You know, he will work till the day he dies. But, um, so, uh, <laughs> like, okay. Yeah. So a few weeks he comes back and he's like, I think I'd like to start a craft distillery. <laughs> so I asked him what a craft distillery was. And so he explained it to me. And my response was good luck. <laughs> um, so I just thought it was one of these passing things that, oh, this sounds like a good idea. Maybe this is what I want to do. You know, uh-huh. um, a few more weeks goes by and he sits me down and put lays out in front of me a 10 year projected business plan. Um, and I was blown away. And so after a couple of hours of sitting there, I was just, 
okay, so I guess we're starting a craft distillery. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And so at that point, it was then was online classes. It was in-person classes. It was reading. um, It was just diving in and learning and absorbing as much information as we could. Um, And up to that point, I only ever drank, I had red wine and rosé wine. Mm -hmm. Um, I liked champagne. And I drank tequila in a margarita and vodka in a Cosmo. And that was it. (laughs) (laughs) I I drank nothing else. (laughs) (laughs) That sounds like a fun journey. I, I have learned a lot. And I have to tell you, I like the full gamut. Um, I've learned a lot about myself and my palate, um, which, you know, brings up a whole, like you try something and then, you know, that I never would have, I would never have thought I would have liked, you know, I just look at it or used to just smell it and be like, ugh, um, I love bourbon. Oh my God. Do I love bourbon? Um, never would have thought that, um, (laughs) you know. And I love teaching people about bourbon and I love learning more about bourbon. And, um, and from there I have, you know, learned to enjoy and appreciate tequila and agave spirit because that's what we're making, um, or what it really is and not just to drink it in a drink, but to sip it and to appreciate it. Um, you know, all of those things that I mean, as opposed to like body shots in yeah. the bar and <laughs> exactly <laughs> <laughs> got it <laughs> um and and to learn too that um for us especially we make two types of vodka we make two types of of gin and to learn that you know through our throughout our process of learning how to do this depending on what ingredients you're using what grains you're using that your products are going to taste different. Um, And, you know, even that alone, you know, has been, I mean, I love that. So it was great that I complained that I don't like going outside my comfort zone as most people. And my husband is is great for always pushing me outside my comfort zone. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, so this has been, has been wonderful for that. Um, I will tell you though, that my husband did retire um, on his 45th birthday, um, and has not looked back once. Um, absolutely loves what we're doing. It's stressful, but we, we say that it's, it's the stress we create for ourselves, you know? Um, and he likes to tell people I used to have a pension and now I have a distillery. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. (laughs) And one day we might retire from this, but you never know. (laughs) Right. Right. <laughs> no, we had no experience. We were not moonshiners. We weren't closet, you know, drinkers. We weren't, you know. Well, nope. <laughs> gotcha. Well, and this is going to reveal my ignorance about the spirits world. But is there a? Are there certifications that one can get, like master distiller? You mentioned masters. Is that a certification, or is that just a a job title? So there are classes you can take to get those. Okay. Um, and most of the time at a distillery, like in our case, it's just a title um, because my husband is the one who has um, developed all the recipes. Um, he's the one who has, um, so he's like worked out all of the recipes, all of the details down. Um, he's the one. He also helped. Um, so the, the equipment that we have even, he's the one who helped design the equipment. Um, and so that's why we consider him the master distiller. Um, he's also the one that works out if we're having an issue with, um, for our rum, for instance, we, you know, definitely (laughs) Northeast Ohio is not conducive to growing sugarcane. So (laughs) we might get, um, dark molasses up from Louisiana Delta for our rum. Um, when we're trying to distill it in you know February and it's negative four and we try to bring the distillery floors temperature up 
you know, the molasses just doesn't really like those cold temperatures. Yeah. So it took us a while to figure out we needed a special strain of yeast. We needed mm. to get special enzymes. And my husband's background, you know, he's got a couple of, you know, he has a chemical engineering degree and a mechanical and electrical or mechanical engineering degree. And, you know, so he was able to figure out like what type of enzymes we needed or the yeast strain we needed. And, you know, so that's why we call him the master distiller because he's just smarter than, you know, anybody ever. But (laughs) (laughs) got it. Well, it sounds like he deserves it then. Um. He does. does. (laughs) Yeah. I I mean, this is just a random question, but sugar beets, is that something that ever gets made into rum? Like, you know, instead, you know, because I know that's something that you could grow in Ohio, for example, and if you wanted to keep it local, is that, is that a thought that you've ever had? It isn't. Um, We like, um, we like how the dark molasses has turned out for us. Sure. Yeah. Um, And someone else had mentioned the sugar beets to us and we just haven't tried it yet. Um, yeah. So our okay. rum has has won an award as well. Um, nice. So we're probably going to stick with how we're doing. It <laughs> we're going to ride this out. Seems to be working so far. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, well, and it sounds like, uh, you know, we talked briefly, and I know you get frustrated uh, that people think the spirits making process is just like making beer um, and it sounds like it could be like making beer if you were making beer in a meth lab and had to spend an extra million dollars but um but maybe do you want to like dispel some misconceptions and maybe sort of sober us up those of us who have heard this idea of a retiring at 45 and starting a craft distillery and, and winning awards, you know, like what, what are the realities that we would be facing uh, <laughs> to make this happen? So the reality is one, it does not happen overnight. Right. Um, we had two and a half years of planning before we even opened our doors to, um, Your the, first yeah, two and a half years of planning education um, before even opening our doors, um, right. to work with, to decide on which grain we wanted and which yeast we wanted. We were making bread in our kitchen. Right. Um, it is illegal by federal law to, uh, have a still in your, right. in your house on your property. Um, when you're the difference between making beer and making a distilled spirit is that when you're making a distilled spirit, as you're heating it up and it starts coming off as alcohol, it's coming off at 190 proof. So when you're drinking a can of beer, um, let's take your IPAs at least, you know, the proof in those are going up, right? Right, like 8 10%, yeah. Exactly. And, you know, your ABV on vodka is 40%. Right. So that's not something you can have sitting in your basement because it can explode and it can can explode quite quickly if you're not careful. Um, It's, it's a shorter time of fermentation, whereas beer can take almost 45 days to ferment. Um, Distilling our, we take five to seven days. Um, But so the federal law, tells you you cannot um, distill at at home or on personal property. Um, It's highly flammable. And you could poison yourself too, right? I'm sorry? You could poison yourself too, right? Yes, you can from the gases that come off from the fermentation. (laughs) (laughs) But also, Um, I mean, what is the, what is, for people who don't know about how, spirits have heads and tails and things like that um those those are the you know kinds of the toxins that are released on the initial uh distillation right at the beginning so when you start distilling you have what they call your three cuts as you just said are your heads your hearts and your tails and your heads that come off first is the nasty gross disgusting gases well the alcohol that we mix with water and 
dump it down the drain. Once you mix it with water, it's completely harmless um, and we flush it away. Um, but there are even times that on our production floor, which is probably 5,000 square feet and an open ceiling, that there have been times that 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 production is going on and the heads start coming off and you can walk down on that floor and the smell can almost knock you out. Just the smell. Wow. Um, so imagine having that contained in a basement. That would knock you out and nobody would explode. Not even know that that was happening. Right. Um, and that's the stuff that, I mean, it, it can kill you. Yeah. Um, you know, easily. Um, right. The heart is the purest portion. Um, it's the sweetest portion. That's what distillers want to capture. Um, right. That's what you want um, in that bottle. Right. Um, and then you have the towels that come off. The towels tend to be some of that funk um, that still has some alcohol in it, but it's not the good stuff. Um, it starts to, yeah, we just always call it the funk. Um, (laughs) (laughs) got it. (laughs) Got a nasty flavor. Um, and we will typically capture some of the towels and the same thing. We'll, um, you know, flush it with water down the drain and get rid of it. Sometimes we'll hold on to it and we'll redistill it because there is still some usable alcohol in it. Um, and, you know, we'll run it, like I said, we'll, we'll run it with the next batch and, and redistill it to get the, the rest of, you know, as much of the alcohol out of it as we can. But um, it's not something that we'll put into a bottle. Um, well, you can't. It's the, the meth. Yeah, meth Got stuff. it. Could, can you, can you redistill the tail, for example? Is that what you just said? You can... Yes. So because there is, there is still, in the tails, there is still alcohol. And so you can put that back, you can take that and put it in your next distillation run. And so you would just be running it through another distillation. So you'll be mixing that in. And then again, you would just capture your tails at the end. So you're basically just distilling it out to get the alcohol out of it again. And you guys, I know there's various different kinds of distillation that you can do, columns and pots. It looks like you have built a custom combination of like a pot and a column distillation. Is that true or am I just guessing? Nope, we wrongly? did. So okay. Something about a, a big Bertha or something. <laughs> we call it a big Bertha. So it is a <laughs> um it's it is a combination um hybrid pot still. So it's okay. a pot still and column still. Um, so my husband helped, um, the company, uh, Kota, which is a German pot manufacturer, um, a Kirk, sorry, German still manufacturer. And so he helped them design this again, you know, doing his research and what he wanted. Um, the type of, of still that, that he designed, we can use in all of our applications. So in all of our production. So it has basically the whiskey helmet on it for the pot, but having the columns on it, we can use both columns or we can just use one column. So it's, we can use it for vodka, gin, rum. We can use it in whiskey. We can use it, um, you know, so if we have to come off, you know, so for um, bourbon, we can't barrel it at more than, you know, higher than 125 proof. Um, but then for our vodka production, vodka has to come off at no lower than 162, I think. Yeah. Um, and so having one still, that way we didn't need two separate stills to cover all of our production. And the columns, uh, are they used to infuse aromatics in like gin? In your gin, for example, or is that a separate steeping process after the distillation? So you can do that. That's not what we're using it for. So um, you can get, they do have infusing baskets that you can put inside the columns to infuse your gin. Um, a lot of people will buy a separate um, still for infusing their gin with their botanical because the botanical oils 
will stick to the inside of your still or the columns. Right. So then anything else you do in there is going to be tainted basically. Got it. Um, So what we, what we do instead for our gin is um, we do a mix. So we found a, an organic flavorings company and went to them with what we were looking for, for, for a flavor of Mm -hmm. what we wanted our gin to taste like. And so they, they actually did all the work for us and then came to us with the flavors pre-mixed. So they did all of the macerating and they did basically what we could have done. They took um, organic neutral grain spirit, basically vodka, and then Mm -hmm. put organic um, botanicals in them, let them all seep, and then combine the flavors. Okay, so it's like a tincture that you can then use as flavoring. Yes, and so that's interesting. Okay, got it. Um, And then we get it in pails, Um, and then we have a recipe that you know so much of it has to be blended with so much of our neutral grain spirit, Um, and then it's blended together, and we have our gin, which is always a very nice day because I love it. I. I love both of our gins. And so I love it when the boys are making the gin because you can walk into the bottling room and you just smell this gin smell everywhere. And it's just very, for me anyway, it's very relaxing. I love it. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. That sounds lovely. (laughs) Sounds very heady there. (laughs) And then of course there are days when it's a bourbon tasting day and you know, that's a great day. Yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> um, well, since you brought up bourbon, just to turn toward something that I don't know if it gets talked about that much in in the spirits world, but if you were if you just wanted to have a really nice, you know, just enjoy a glass of your bourbon or your rye, one of your brown liquors, what would you pair them with, um, food wise? Like, what have you guys gotten good at? suggesting you know either a whole menu or specific dishes that would go really well so you know when it comes personally when it comes to bourbon and trying to pair them with specific foods it becomes challenging because everyone's palate is different and it's not like when you're drinking a wine and so when you're drinking when you're drinking a wine and you pick up like you have like your nuances in your wine, right? Like you pick up your flavors and it's almost like you immediately can taste what you should be. And sometimes with a bourbon, you can, but, but the woodiness or the smokiness in a bourbon kind of is a little, like that's what you taste more. So then it's hard to then say, maybe you should eat it. You should drink it with this. So one of the things we do is we do chocolate pairings. So chocolates go very well with bourbon. And I don't know if it's because it's the sweet against the, the smoke. So that's one of the things we do. So like when we do couples and bourbon, we always do a chocolate pairing. Um, and we do like savory, we will do savory picks, but not meals. So it's almost like, um, like a, a nice freshly grated, piece of Parmesan cheese. Um, a fresh, like a fresh Parmesan cheese goes very, very well with our, our E. Mm. Um, and some dried cranberries go night raw. Some cranberries go, dried cranberries go really, really nice against our 14 year. Um, and you know, a good bourbon always pairs very well with a great steak, but it's because you've got a smoky steak with a smoky spirit. Yeah. And the See what fat. I mean? Yeah. Um, I mean, the other thing it goes well with is pretty much any classic American desserts, I think, like, <laughs> like <laughs> apple pie and or caramel right. apple pie. and anything. Same sweet. And I will say I have had, um, I do like our, our 14 year goes really nice with pasta and a good red sauce. Oh, that's interesting. That's unusual. Okay. So, Check that out. All right. But I I love our 14-year. I think our 14-year is amazing. 
Well, let's talk about how amazing it is. Um, (laughs) (laughs) The reason I was so compelled to try your bourbon, um, even though I was like, I came looking to see if you had any good rye. I was like, oh, I got to check this out. I mean, 14 years, first of all, is is special. Um, And then you guys had a special honor with that in terms of being rated in its class, the best bourbon in the world, uh, even edging out Pappy Van Winkle this year, right? We did. We did. Thank you. That's, that's pretty yeah. special, right? <laughs> What's so that I've been like? told. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I, I should say, you know, the same bottle of Pappy Van Winkle, I mean, in that class, you would pay $3,000 plus for, whereas your 14-year single barrel bourbon, you pay $90 for. So, I mean, if you look at it just from that perspective, quite a bargain. <laughs> um, but what's that been like to to receive that award and the, that recognition? Um, I, you know, I think we're, we're almost up to a year, the full year. So I think, I think we're used to it now. Okay. Um, <laughs> whoever get used to it. Um, it's, probably one of the proudest moments of our life ever. Um, Maybe after the birth of our child, but. um, (laughs) (laughs) Just barely. (laughs) Shocking. Uh, I will will say shocking. Um, I mean, let's face it. People in the bourbon world, you know, Pappy 15 is like, that's like the end all and be all. Um, And so when, when we received the phone call um, that that we won that award, I, I seriously, I we could not believe it. Um, and I will, in all honesty, say that we won by just a couple of points, like just a couple. We both right. won double gold, um, but we did take you know top spot by just a couple points. Um, so. You know, it's not like it was a blowout or anything, but <laughs> that's very modest of you to say. <laughs> um, but it was um, to get that recognition was incredible, um, yeah. and to have more people notice us being just a small startup craft distillery, you know, from Lakewood, Ohio. Um, that's been it was incredible. Um, yeah. It's not, you know, like we just submitted our products to Cigar and Spirits magazine to the World Spirits, you know, competition, Um, just submitted them. We're like, we love our products. You know, we'd had them on, you know, just in our local market. Um, And we're like, yeah, let's let's submit them. See what we eh, let's see if we win anything, you know, on a whim. Right. So you send them in and hope for the best. Um, and again, as a small company, you're hoping for some awards so that you can, you know, once you get some recognition, then hopefully people will start taking notice so that for us, especially you can, you know, get noticed in other States. So yeah. you can start getting a, a larger distribution, um, market. Um, so of course, once that happened, we did start getting, um, noticed. Yeah. Um, so so that's been nice. It, it definitely helped. Probably a good thing that it was this year that it happened. Yeah. <laughs> um, it, we definitely, you know, needed it this year, um, you know, with everything else shutting down for a while and things take going to the back burner. But um, it, we actually, we had a lot of um, distributors from other states calling us because they had customers themselves contacting them um you know where can i get this i'm hearing about this my customers want it you know why isn't it here i need to have it here um we we were able to get the state of ohio is a control state and it's a very tough control state because of the award we got recognized more in our own state so our sales started climbing in our own state which was big Mm. um so to just be you know uh you know, a small distillery, just, you know, barely opening. It was nice to have that. I, I'll bring this up just for fun. I know when I first 
started getting into bourbon or learning a little bit about it, I knew that the name came from a county in Kentucky. And so, you know, just because I came from the wine world, I assumed that, you know, just like Champagne or Bordeaux or Burgundy, it was named for the place. Um, but it's not. That's what's kind of weird and easy to misunderstand about bourbon, right? It's you can make bourbon anywhere um, because it's more about a, how the the limitations for how it's made, not the place. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? So um, bourbon can be made anywhere in the continuous United States. Um, it can't be made in Hawaii, can't be made in Puerto Rico. Um, and the, you know, has to be made from no less than 51% corn. Um, it has to be aged in a newly charred American white oak container. Um, for how long? There is no age. Yes. Oh. You can take um, newly charred American white oak bucket, pour your, <laughs> <laughs> pour your, you know, your neutral grain spirit into it, swish it around, pour it into a bottle and call it bourbon. Yes. <laughs> Huh. Okay. That's, that's fascinating. Is there, are there any regulations? That's so weird. I, I always thought that there was some like two year something or other about. That's if it's a Kentucky straight bourbon. Kentucky straight bourbon. Ah, okay. Got it. That's the different, the differentiation. Now, do you have to be in Kentucky to make Kentucky straight bourbon? Yes. Okay. So that's where you you get in Kentucky on it. It has to be from Kentucky. Got it. Okay. Yeah. Those are the main things um, when it comes to bourbon. Okay. And I know, you know, there are people that will say, no, it has to be made in Kentucky to be called bourbon. It doesn't, but you can't make it in Canada. You can't make it in, you know, Europe. It has to be made in the United States. Got it. Um, But you know what? In the United States, we can't make tequila or Canadian whiskey either. So. (laughs) Right. (laughs) But we can make agave spirit. Can we make scotch? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no, but we can make a malted whiskey. <laughs> uh, that's right. You, you guys make uh, agave spirits because you're not in you're not in Mexico. You're not right. in Jalisco. Um, but you get the agave hearts from down there, right? Yes, we do. Right. So okay, and yeah. I mean, tell us a bit more. So you make uh, some rye, some bourbon, some vodka, some gin, and some agave spirit also yeah. known as tequila if you make it down there right um and rum the rum the award-winning rum yes nice yeah. so a full thing i mean are you thinking of doing anything else uh not at this point in time i think that's funny i think <laughs> <laughs> i will say that um currently the brown spirits that we have are sourced products when um, my husband and I had started our project, one of the things we did was we, we paid to do an internship at a, an organic distillery. And we had our recipes and, and everything. And so we made a bourbon, wheat whiskey, and rye whiskey. Um, and they held the barrels for us and kept them aging for us. We released them when we opened. We released them at Christmas time in 2018. Now, being a small craft distillery and unknown, my husband and I naively thought we had made enough to get us through four years. We did not. <laughs> we actually sold through all of our organic brown spirits in less than 14 months. Wow. Um, so, so the brown spirits we currently have, we source. Okay. They are all within 5% of our mash bill which is as close as you can get to your own recipe without it being your own recipe. Got it. Okay. Um, Which is kind of exciting because now we know what ours will taste like at eight years and 14 years. Right. Um, And we do have um, barrels aging on property that should be ready to open in about 18 months. But... Go go ahead. No, go ahead. But unfortunately, um, being a new business... If you um, fall out of a category and then try to come back in, it's even harder the second time around. 
um, you know, to kind of bring your name back up and around to say, yes, buy us. Yes, we're back. Um, so we decided to do the sourcing to stay relevant. Yeah, that makes sense. So will your labels change when you are doing it from your own distillery? No. Okay. Got it. No, it All right. Well, how do people uh, get to try some of this stuff? Where should we go to learn about you and buy your buy your goods? So if you head to our website, westernreservedistillers.com, okay. um, you can purchase our products through Bourbon Outfitter. Okay. Um, and there is a button on the products pages. Um, they ship nationwide. Um, and so I believe they are back in stock. They had literally run out within the first two weeks of people being able to buy online. Um, and then also check, we are in Kentucky, Michigan, Massachusetts, Illinois, Colorado, Georgia, Tennessee, California. Um, so there just might be a place nearby if, if there you're might, in those spots. And I'm not sure, outside of Ohio, I'm not sure how you can find where we are at your local local liquor stores or where you buy us in the other states. Okay. So like in Ohio, we have, um, being state controlled, there's a, a place, it's um, ohlq.com. And so you go there and you can type in the name of what you're looking for. And it'll show you on a map what stores we're at. Gotcha. Okay. So I'm not sure how that works in other states. Um, right. But you can go to bourbonoutfitter.com. And That's what I did. they have all of our products. Yeah. <laughs> Anything else you'd like to add? Um, I think that might cover it. <laughs> okay, great. <laughs> no, I, I, thank oh, you so much. Oh, no, I do have one thing I'd like to yeah, add. Yeah, please, please. So as I said, we have two types of vodka and two types of gin. Yeah. So uh, one type of our vodka and gin are made with spelt, S-P-E-L-T. Mm. Right, right. Which is an ancient grain to wheat, which a lot of people don't like, haven't heard of and don't know what it is. It is the only spelt vodka engine produced in the United States. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Well, now we have to try that because yes. that's it, probably changes the flavor significantly. It right? does. It does. Interesting. And what was interesting was the botanicals that we use to make our gin in our um, corn based gin. It's a very citrus forward gin. So it's great for people that want to like gin or want to try gin. Okay. That gin is perfect for them. Um, or if, you, if you're like into gin and tonic, it's like you don't even need the lime twist. Right. Nice. And I then like. the spelt based gin is more like a London dry. Okay. It's a little more complex. Mm. Neither one of them is juniper forward. Okay. Good to know. All so right. very unique product. As I said, the only spelt um, vodka engine produced in the United States. I love it. All right. Well, thank you so much, Anne. This has been well, great. You. I mean, love learning about this and you've, you've, you know, given me a few nuggets to think about for my future craft distillery um, <laughs> business plan. <laughs> Um, the millions that you'll need in the years exactly. to start. Right. You know, you have to contact the federal government for a permit, but before you can do that, you have to have equipment purchased. And oh you know. wow, yeah, there you go. Yeah, Good to, yeah. Um, <laughs> you're, and and I think your recommendation would be go do a lot of YouTube searching before you call you right to yes, find please. out. Yes, please. <laughs> Don't call in with the and expect the ten simple steps <laughs> to starting your craft distillery. Right. Um, please understand it takes a lot of time and research and money and thoughtful planning and and learning and education and money. Before the federal government will even talk to you. <laughs> <laughs> um, and don't do it in your basement. Um, <laughs> 
Well, Anne, thanks so much. It's been great. And I really appreciate your time. And, and it's great to know what you guys are doing. I hope more distilleries and take on the organic uh, values that you guys are, are pushing, um, which is, I think, really important and, and a wonderful thing that you guys are doing. So thank you. Thank you. Well, thank you. Thank you for your time. I appreciate it. Oh, my. Well, if you enjoyed that show as much as I'm enjoying this bourbon, there are several ways you can support it. Number one of which is to buy a bottle of Centralis wine. Woo! <clears throat> you can tell I'm actually really drinking bourbon. Um, Centralis is my winery, full disclosure. And I started it to be able to promote people like Anne and the kind of agriculture that she's supporting with her business. Um, that is the kind of agriculture that I support with Centralis because all the grapes that we use to make Centralis wine are grown organically at minimum, biodynamically uh, even better than organic sometimes. So our winery is centraliswine.com. That's C-E-N-T-R-A-L-A-S wine.com. And we're on Instagram at centraliswine. And uh, all your purchases actually help support not only the agriculture that's behind the wine that we make, but also this podcast, because Centralis is the sponsor of this podcast. So thank you so much, and enjoy, and cheers. Cheers.